Higher Inner Power, a reflection of true hip-hop culture, a study of hip-hop, and an execution of sticking to the roots while also propelling everything forward. Welcome back to another episode of Higher Inner Power. I'm your host, Ty Frazier, a.k.a. Supernova. Celebrating this beautiful sunny day here in Denver, Colorado. Celebrating the NBA champions, the Denver Nuggets. They actually won their first championship ever, so the city's been buzzing about that. Super excited, super happy, super grateful, you know what I'm saying, to be from this city and to be from a place full of champions. Today I have a very special guest, a hip-hop legend, a founding member of the Artifacts, and a legendary MC, Ella Sensei. Super grateful to have this conversation with him. Hopefully you learn more about him and the culture of hip-hop through this conversation, and I'm I'm excited to have more with them. Hope you enjoy. Appreciate y'all tuning in to Higher Inner Power. I got a very special guest today. How about you uh, introduce yourself, bro? Peace, y'all. What's good? Elder Sensei, Artifacts, New Jersey. Stand up. What up? Oh, yeah, man. I, I appreciate you joining me. Appreciate you uh, jumping on the phone with me. No doubt. No doubt. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Yeah, most definitely, man. Uh, just to start out, tell the people how you got into hip-hop and, you know, kind of how, how you became an MC and how it impacted your life. Um, I got into hip-hop as a b-boy first. Um, I gradually got to learn every aspect of the elements growing up. Um, I would say that, you know, doing this, you know, when I first got into it, I didn't think that I would be an MC today. I didn't think that I would be on the radio or anything like that. So, you know, my early participation was just to be, you know, get in get into it like you know somehow some way i knew the rap part i wasn't good at but at first not until like i was 15 but doing the b-boy aspect first and then being getting into graffiti the one thing i can say about my generation is that um you try to learn everything you know as you go along you know so like you know i tried to do the beatboxing but i was good at it but you you do become good at the one major thing that you practice on the most so yeah. And I learned how to do everything. Where did you grow up? I grew up in uh, uh, East Orange, New Jersey, Newark, New Jersey, Irvington. So pretty much all over in the immediate Essex County area. Yeah, New Jersey. So you kind of yeah. saw you saw the, the growth of hip-hop kind of from the beginning. Yeah, and, and, and being from New Jersey, you saw it from the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I learned as a student just like everybody else. So, but as you, you know, get into it, you start wanting to, participate get into it yeah what really uh pushed you to become an mc or you know push you to start rapping more and more often um just listening to the music a lot more you know as i got older you start to listen to the radio mr magic red alert and i started you know my heroes my top five won't change so when back then it was g-rap kane krs chuck d uh, and Rakim, so you know, you, those were the word the people I heard and that was talking to me, and pretty much made me want to rhyme. You know, so much so where, you know, I wanted to get involved as, as well. You know, you wind up sounding like everybody you listen to when you first start off. Yeah. And then you try to find your own style and find your own self, and and these voices. You know, to try to make your own. What do you think helps the most trying to find your own style? I would say being a good listener to. You know, the people that you probably should be listening to. Like, for me, to do it for me lyrically is Busta, Farrell Mines, Common, you know, uh, Most and Kuali, uh, Zoo, El Zai, you know, all these dudes are lyricists. Mm-hmm. So, 
you know, that's what gravitated to me toward Kane and Rakim and KRS. You know, you listen to their wordplay and you you want to actually, you know, be like that. You yeah. know, and, and, and that's what I, I, you know, I tried to take that lead as like, you know, and, and it's funny because AG, he said this to me um, when he, when we got to be good friends, he said, man, I, I could tell you was that dude on the block who wanted to be like Big Daddy Kane. You wanted to like, now you saying like, look like him or stuff, but you wanted to be an MC, MC, you know, so th- that's what pushed me, you know, guys like Special Ed listening to Chuck Rock, you know, these things prepared me for me to be myself, you know, growing up listening to the cats, but you, you just take, you take things, you know, it's like almost like building a robot. You watch the formula video with Dr. Dre. You take all the best things that you know about being a, a MC and you try to apply it to yourself yeah. and you implement, and you implement it in your music. Yeah. And that's why I think hip hop is kind of, you know, it's, it's a culture and it's almost like a, a spiritual discipline in that sense. Like you said, like, it kind of impacts your day-to-day life as well. Right. Everybody has a master. You know what I mean? Even when you, whatever you're learning, there's somebody teaching you. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the one thing about teaching you, they're not, they're not going to teach you to be like them. They're going to teach you to be like yourself. Find, find this stuff inside yourself that makes you who you are, makes your style special, makes your music the way it is. And, and this is where the discipline comes in, where because you know you know this, this is what makes you be great. To not be like the next man, to not sound like the next guy, like that was our thing too. Coming up, you know, you couldn't sound like another guy. You would be biting. You want to be yourself. Yo, and that's the essence of real hip hop. Right. You want to talk a little bit about the early days of the artifacts and how how that came together? Yeah, I mean, um, me and Tame's beginning started through our friends. You know, like I knew of I knew of Tame first by just knowing his name on the wall, like. Everywhere I would go, every step I would take, I saw this dude's name. So he knew friends that I knew, and my man Jay Byrne, he went to school with me, and I was in, we was in certain classes, and I, you know, he started telling me about Tame, but I was trying to be around Jay because Jay was the guy that I knew in my area that was that hip hop guy. Mm-hmm. You know, Jay did graffiti, Jay made his own clothes, made Gucci pouches, hats, everything, so that like. Man, his friendship built up so much where he was like, yo, I want you to meet these other dudes because I think you would like them. So that's when he introduced me to my man Rick Zone, Rhino. Uh, he, was, he was like our juice crew, Molly Mom, making beats for everybody, doing the scratches, everything. I just happened to be at his house, and um, he started making demos for me. And I saw Tame's name in the house, in the room. And I said, yo, he be here? He was like, yeah, and he rap. I was like, oh, word. So I heard, his, I heard a couple of his songs. And we met a couple of days later, a week later, and we didn't separate since. So, like, our, our, you know, getting together was, you know, me and him starting to, we got right into it. Like, talent shows, whatever, everything we were supposed to have been doing, we started doing until we got more serious. And I think out here in New Jersey, it was like we had no choice but to get a deal. But even the way we got it, because everybody that we knew, friends of ours, were the dudes coming out. So... Lords of the Underground, Red Man, Naughty, you know, all these people we knew. So, you know, we, we came, when we finally got our chance, it sounded like the way it did, and it came out the way it came out, because me and Tame prided ourselves on being the New Jersey guys that were that were into all the hip-hop that, not say it was like New York, 
but we practiced the things that New Yorkers did, and you know, it, it, when we finally got our chance to put out put out our record, yeah, it sounded it sounded like the way it did because me and Tane grew up, grew together, and, and the few years that I got to know him, four years so fast, boom, and we in the studio making songs and got a record deal by being on Stretch Armstrong and Bobito, and it happened so like fast once we got together. What was it like getting that first record deal? Crazy. It was crazy as hell because you, you know, you hear all the stories about you getting people signing contracts and things of that nature. And when it was our time and just, uh, you know, doing the record, we didn't know, not say what we were doing, we just, we were doing what we thought we were supposed to be doing, but things were coming out the way they were. Working with T. Ray, working with Buckwild, Redman, you know, Red doing his first production was on our song. Besides, you know, other people that he worked with inside of his camp, and um, that was special. So when we first heard the record, and just you know, we went to California to do a, the, the promo tour first, not the East Coast. So we saw a lot out there, and when the record came out, you know, West Coast always still to this day give us love, you know, and we get to go there all the time. We've pretty much blossomed in our career out there rather than home. So, you know, when all this stuff started happening, you know, to hear it on the radio, see the video, you know, I was still working at my job. So I would go to work and people were looking at me like, yo, didn't I see you on TV? Like, mate, you know, so that that was funny. You know, but everybody at my job was like, why are you still here? I was like, because uh, this pay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I spent my last days there trying to just keep on, keep a hold of it. But eventually I had to leave. But it was a beginning part was crazy. It was crazy. It's still crazy. You, you know, you never think that you'd be doing this after, you know, so long. You know, me and Tane was fortunate and blessed that a lot of people liked our records and liked what we stood for. And that kept us going for a long time. Do you have any advice for artists starting out or an artist trying to maintain longevity? Yeah. You know, even though this is like the, the one question... I won't say so much as the cliche one, but it's the one that everybody asks. Yeah. And I always tell everybody the same thing all the time. You know, first of all, when you're making these records, make the record hot. You know what I'm saying? Like, give yourself a chance. You know, know what your what your direction is. Know who your crowd is. Know where you want to go. You know what I'm saying? Like, position yourself in a way where every record that you do, like, is your last you know, you gotta look at yourself like a quarterback throwing interceptions. You gotta go back in the game every time you throw that interception. You gotta keep trying. So this is what the rap game is. This is like a, a trying man's game. You know what I'm saying? And it's a gamble as well. But if you treat it right, you do all the things that you're supposed to do. Promote yourself. You know, don't let somebody else tell you what to do. But promote yourself. You, you have all these tools that we didn't have today that you know we i use now where i'm like wow you know so like if we had a fan base like where we could touch it ourselves and not have to wait for a letter to go to the label and then just hopefully they give it to us you know it's just totally different from back in the day so a lot of things you can take advantage of now that you couldn't but you got to be you know into your doing into your music into what you're doing and, and give yourself a chance all the time you know what i'm saying don't do what the next dude doing musically do your own thing, find your way, find your path, and once you get that, you keep that. Find your niche, know what your what your sound is based on, and who is buying your stuff. Because that's once you find your fan base, you attack it, you know, and and, and really drill in 
to know that these people will carry you to the next couple of hundred people to the next, you know, and go on tour. Don't stay, don't stay home. Go on tour. Find if you make it, if you make a hot record, find yourself a good booking agent and, and, and get out there. You know, even if you got to do like the rock and roll shit, get in the car, get in the van, go, but do your area, do what you know. At the same time, don't let nobody else tell you what you can and can't do. Yeah, that's real, man. How do you think hip hop affects our society, or how do you think, um, you know, how do you think it could shed light on the problems of our society? I know that that was kind of the purpose of it in the beginning, and I feel like right. sometimes it gets away from that, you know. Yeah, you know, when you look at these things, you know, everybody talking about the fact that ooh, no hip hop records was number one in this year, and that, you know why? Because everybody sucked. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody <laughs> don't care no more. I mean, like everybody cares only about spitting that hostage team. Everybody only cares about doing an interview and a podcast. These artists are the ones doing these things. So like, there's nobody you see in the studio no more. And like, you go, all the studios is empty right now because everybody is trying to find another way to make money and nobody's trying to hone in on their crap. So it's like, it's too many people doing the same thing and not in a, it, it, I always say right now, you got everybody talking, but ain't nobody rapping. You ain't got enough dudes rapping. And, and nobody really like doing what we supposed to be doing. Like, People are, okay, we get older, but people are at the point where they feel like, well, I'm not doing that, I'm not doing this. I'm not, there's no care into the music right now. There's no one in the studio caring about what the shit sound like. There's nobody saying, you know, let's pause and really, like, understand what made this shit be the way it is when you talk about this the first year in over 20, 30 years that a hip-hop record is not. Look at the change in how the records sound. Look at what everybody's doing. These little guys right now, young guys, when you look at these award shows, and they had, well, I can't remember uh, which show that was, but they had all the beginning, you know, early stages of the hip-hop, and when they got all the way to now, the, the, like, the energy in the show even changed. It was like, wow, like, look at the difference. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that's where we at. Hmm. We at the, the, the biggest different stage Ever, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> where it's so bad that nobody cares. Wow, just like nobody cares about it. Just like people don't care about the care they put into the music. So, like, you know, this is what's wrong for me. You know what I mean? I can go through a litany of, litany of things that I think is wrong, but it's, it's that, you know, and, it, and, and, it, and it, it's sad to say because for all these years, 10 years or more, we've been like, yo, we got to take care of the culture, the culture, the culture, the culture. I don't think people understood what that means because when you talk about the only thing culture-wise that these cats see today are all the documentaries of hip-hop everything. You know what I'm saying? Hip-hop evolution, you know, even they brought the beef joint, put it on Netflix. They're not going to learn nothing about that, but it's just like this is the generation of learning that people don't want to learn. We and look, where we at, look how fast the 50-year hip-hop came and people playing catch-up. Where, like, the little dudes <coughs> seeing this whole year, <coughs> all these shows going down. Where, like, just last night, they had the whole down in Atlantic City 50 year hip hop um, uh, event. Every rapper you could think of is on the, was on the bill, even if it was one, two songs, they was on the bill. And, and, and because there's so many rappers now, you have to cater to our kind because this is the year of the celebration. 50 years, that's like a human. No one thought hip-hop would be a 50-year-old human person 
almost like, you know, we're, we're still getting stuff out of it. But because we're getting older, you're starting to see the changes of the culture not being upheld. So everybody's like, oh, my God, oh, my God. I'm, I'm like, how about everybody just go back to what you're supposed to be doing? Make good music. And the things I'm saying to the person that you said is a new person, I'm going to say the same thing to them like I say to my older friends. Go back in the lab. Make something hot. Give something back. Understand what got you there in the first place. It ain't being young. It's about being yourself. Yeah, and I was going to ask you how we can change that, how we can, you know, add to the culture being upheld. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, the older cats can't be young. Younger cats can learn from the older cats. We have to give them something where they feel like, you know, if you see a little bit more inclusion with the shows, you know what I'm saying? Where, like, but I think Versus showed a lot of people stuff, too, where a lot of the Versus was, like, of all the older acts. And when it got to the younger acts or to the parts where it wasn't so much, say, East Coast or whatever, or West Coast, it was a little different. Mm-hmm. Especially when you got to the Southern artists. You know what I'm saying? It's just that everything, there's no vehicle for everybody. Like, so how it was MCB raps, and every Saturday, everyone would know to go to one place and watch stuff. Video music box was every day, but you had Nervous Thursdays. You had the Friday was the day you play all new videos. You know, so it's, it's, it's a lot of, it's, it's everything all over the place right now. There's no one place to go watch everything because at your leisure, you can watch stuff. But there's no, there's no direction. There's no no one person. Like, they, today, there is no Fat Five Freddy. There's nobody in this era that's like, you know, Everybody got a show, everybody got a talk show, everybody. There's no one person that can say, like, yo, I trust him. And everything he's saying, you know, because it went from Fat Five to Ed Lover and Dre, and then Rap City, Tigger and all that, and, and then now it's nothing. It's nothing for nobody to grasp onto to say there's a person directing the show to say, like, you know, we got somebody to watch every day that's giving us, you know, the direction we need to go into. Because everything now is just... You know, one channel, Cartoon Network, all cartoons, news, CNN, all news, all this, all, everything is all for one person, all for one, you know, so it's just like you can do whatever you want now. It's nobody telling you one thing is you can you can just believe this whole one thing here and you think it's like all these different universes. It's crazy. It's crazy. But so it's not no one thing now where it's like, you know, this is the epitome of all things here, but you can also go there and be like Fox News and believe every damn thing that all these rappers are saying mm-hmm. rather than the ones that's the ones you should really be listening to. Like, our our MCs that was to be listened to was Chuck D, was KRS. You know, we had, a, we had a self-destruction record for our generation to say, stop doing the bullshit, stop the violence. Today, you have none of these young dudes that's even thinking about doing that. There's no self We need a self-destruction record today. These little dudes don't want to admit that. Because they're making all their money, they don't want to stop that, and they feel like the image is that, yo, if you do that part right there, y'all will have a better chance. Some of these people could not be getting killed every day, whether it be artists, you know, or, or just regular people. Who and you and, and you know, this this gotta happen. But until then, you know, let's see what happens after the 50 years of this hip hop year is over, and see if these guys learned anything. That's where it's going to have to go. You got to respect the culture and learn the, the roots and where it came from and what it represents. Yeah. It'll treat you good, too. Yeah, and I appreciate what you've brought to the culture of hip-hop, man. You know, like, it, it's important for MCs like you to, you know, give people like me knowledge and, like, 
I, I appreciate that, you know what I'm saying? Not everyone's willing to do that, you know? Nah, and look, that's why when you ask me, I say, yeah, because that's the, like you just said, nobody, not everybody is willing to. Yep. Not everybody, a lot of people are out for themselves. They yep. feel like they are the teacher, the, the culture, you know, you, we, talk, we, we all got fans. So every, every, there's always somebody we can talk to. Yeah, for real, though. Is there anything that you wanted to add or anything you got coming up you wanted to promote? Oh, yeah, man. I just want to let y'all know a bunch of new music coming out. Uh, but, but first off, there's going to be a, uh, a remix coming for one of the songs off of me and Tane's last album, with no expiration date. So uh, be looking out for that. I can't say too much about it, but I know it's, it's coming. I'm going to let y'all know. Um, I'm going to shoot a video for it. Actually, it's for the song The Way I Feel, The Way We Feel, and, and a remix for that. So, you know, it's going to be a couple more videos shot from the album, from the album. Um, y'all can look out for a solo album from myself uh, with the producer named Tony Galvin who passed away a couple of years ago. And the album is called Man Machine. And that'll be the most immediate thing to come out right after all these remixes. Oh, yeah, man. That, that sounds dope. I'm excited to hear that. Excited to hear. You know. uh, and I'll send you a copy of it once I get it, once everything ready. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, man, I would love to chop it up with you again and, you know, definitely would love to work on a track with you sometime. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We, we definitely could do that. Yeah, appreciate your time. I appreciate you uh, linking up. No doubt, brother. Thank you for having me. And anytime you need me, I'm here. Yeah, most definitely, man. Have a blessed day. You do. Yeah. All right, peace. Welcome back to Higher Inner Power. I'm your host, Ty Frazier, a.k.a. Supernova, here in Colorado on a beautiful day. Today is June 20th, 2023. Today in hip-hop history, one of the great MCs, Prodigy, passed away, unfortunately, in 2017. He was definitely an underrated MC, one of the founding members of Mob Deep. He definitely had an incredible discography and incredible influence on hip-hop in his time. And, you know, he even wrote a book about his life. When I was in high school, I actually did a presentation about that book. I always remember Prodigy for that and just the, the influence that he had on hip-hop and the influence that Mob Deep has. So definitely check out his music if you never have, his discography. Very influential MC, gone before his time. All praise to Prodigy, rest in peace. Really appreciate y'all tuning in. Just wanted to share something from a book that I've been reading. This is The Art of Simple Living. It says, to simply immerse yourself, the tremendous power of being unfettered. There's a saying in Zen practice called Mushin, or clear mind. You empty your mind and do not let it settle anywhere it wander. 
This allows you to focus on what needs to be done now without worrying all the other things in your life. It is a teaching that demonstrates the amazing power available to us if we can achieve a clear mind. A Zen master from the Edo period explained the secret of the Japanese form of fencing known as Kendo. When you face another swordsman, if you think there is an opportunity to strike your opponent's shoulder, then your mind will be preoccupied by your opponent's shoulder. If you think there is an opportunity to strike his arm, your mind will be preoccupied by his arm. If you think you can win against him, your mind will be preoccupied by winning. Do not allow your mind to wander or settle upon any of these places. Even as you focus your energy on a single point, keep your mind free and open. This is the secret of the sword. Try immersing yourself in what it is before you. You may discover that doing so can be surprisingly powerful. And that's really deep. That's just truly living in the moment and being one with whatever you're doing. Not letting your mind wander. Not letting your mind think too heavily about what it is you're doing. Just simply enjoying and immersing yourself in that very moment. And that's really what I love about Eastern philosophy. It really teaches you to just ground yourself and just enjoy life and be grateful and be aware of what's going on around you in the current moment. Because in life, really all we have is the current moment. We have a succession of moments, but they all occur in the current moment. So, you know, I really just like to share those teachings, those philosophies and book, different books that I read. So really appreciate y'all listening. Appreciate y'all vibing with me. This is Higher Inner Power with your host, Ty Frazier. Hope you have a blessed evening, blessed day, a blessed week. Thank you.